0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Double Feature. Something that you can do with two movies, two books, or recording two podcasts in a row. Some Double Features include Bad Teacher and Friends with Benefits, both with Justin Timberlake. Or, when we record two episodes of Nexus at night in a row, so that we can have the Tuesday off. Double Feature. It's not just for the Rocky Horror at night.
1: Now that all of the other meta decks have been restricted in some way, Neo-Nectar's probably gonna be next, but because it's the Napoleon of Vanguard, if we try to ban anything from Neo-Nectar, it'll probably just walk back in and unban itself.
0: I'm Atlas. I'm Matt.
1: I'm Rupier
0: And I'm James. And today we are going to talk about uh, something that is very close to our hearts being Americans and stuff and what's going on in the country right now. We're talking about Xenophobia! Which uh, is shit. a Latin word meaning fear of foreigners. And uh, we're not going to be talking about the very loaded question that is politics. We're talking about xenophobia in Vanguard. So. Wait, wait, I have a question. So, yeah. like, Vanguard is made up of
2: different nations. So, mm-hmm. is there, like, racism between the nations at all?
0: Probably. I, I'm, I get the feeling that Dimension Police is. equally possible. I get the feeling Dimension Police doesn't like Mega Colony very much. Just a hunch. Say. <laughs> so, aside from the nations being like, alright, you can't use any cards outside of us if you're building the deck because Extreme Fight is dumb, um, they. You still have, like, card designs that are based on archetypes and subclans where your deck building within that nation becomes stilted and limited if you decide to follow it. So, we're going to be debating whether this is a good or bad thing for card design because after the uh, the last AL4 set, which James so graciously uh, came on and guested for, uh, it got me a little worried that um, Boucherod's going back to subclans, which I wasn't a huge fan of back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody want to just explain what subclans were like back in the Ride era? Real quick?
1: Well, so, for the subclan, basically everything becomes about them, right? Like you're going to have to pay let's just say you had an eradicator deck for example you're going to have a card that says counterblast an eradicator unit and then it will do a thing but that thing will probably only apply to eradicator units as well let's just right. say hypothetically you had a card that gave your front row like 5k power right it'd be like counterblast one eradicator retire one of your opponents free guards and then your your front row eradicator units gain 5000 power or something like that <laughs> Just as an example, because I can't actually think of any real cards off the top of my head.
0: Me neither. Or there was like a, the old Gauntlet Buster, wasn't it? Like counterblast two Eradicators mm-hmm. to kill something, or
1: yeah. Uh, let's just use Draconic Descendant because it's right here. So it says like counterblast one, discard three cards with Eradicator in their card name, and then it can get its restand ability. And then the game five thousand power, you have to counterblast two cards with Eradicator in it. So everything is all about the sub-clan now.
0: Yeah, which right. uh, makes it... I don't know, like, my problem with sub-clans is that with card design in the future, it basically gives you a time limit on how effective your mm-hmm. your clan your sub-clan is going to be. Because, like, following a clan, unless it's Murakumo, uh, is, you know, at least a little worth it, because you can just add to your deck as you go. But when they do mm-hmm. a clan within a clan, it means that eventually that character is going to stop being on the show or uh, they're just going to stop supporting it because they're doing a reboot or whatever. Yeah. And then that means that all of those cards kind of become useless. Now, in standard format, they're doing this thing where they're taking old cards and just making new versions of them. So you have the same name, mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's not uh, not the same effect, which means that... The subclan things ironically came back into chic. Like in premium, you can use the Silverthorn assistant Zelma, which is like purple trapezist for mm-hmm. Silverthorns, in premium because there are all these Silverthorn cards. Um, what do you guys think about it?
2: One of the reasons why I wanted to be on this podcast was I knew it was going to be a loaded question for you, Atlas. Oh, sure. And me, I'm actually much more okay with it in general. I think the whole idea of, you know, uh, not getting more support later on. That's not so much a card design problem. That's more of a Bushi Road problem and the ties to the anime uh, rather mm-hmm. than actual card design. Because in theory, they could keep the subclan around forever and just have like maybe two subclans for each cl- main clan and then just keep supporting those. But it's more of a Bushi Road's tie to the anime kind of thing that kind of mm-hmm. messes it up. So, uh, like, actually- so, like
1: cart. Uh, Bushiroad's specific philosophy on card design is the problem, not yeah. not like a general.
3: I think one of the most successful uh, versions of the kind of thing we're talking about is tribal is tribal stuff in Magic. Oh yes. Um, but like one thing that is nice that's di- I think a little different with the tribal stuff in Magic than uh for what we're talking about with um Vanguard is that the tribal stuff in Magic just kind of, some things just fit into archetypes just by existing. Like, they might not, like, for example, let's talk about the card, there's a card called Deathrite Shaman, which is a very, very, very powerful (laughs) card. Banned in almost every format now, but ignoring that for a second. Um, But the fact is, it was an Elf. And so Elf decks were just like, oh, cool, we're just gonna play this Deathrite Shaman because it's fucking here. (laughs) So, that that made it really nice that it was kind of incidentally Mm -hmm. good.
2: Uh, But to add on to that and kind of getting on to a bit more of the similarities or the the good parts of creating cards that don't work well with other cards is uh, that itself in itself is a restriction, obviously. It's a Mm deck-building restriction and to a degree a play-style restriction. But what that means for this restriction, it means they have the ability to give this card more more varied effects, so it opens up the design space because they have to worry less about previous cards. And also because it has a restriction, uh, it makes it so that they can add overall stronger effects to the cards because uh, there's less ways you can possibly break the card. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's like uh, uh, Matt gave a very good uh, example of a card that just so happens to be tribal, but fits in most decks, but then you have things like the, I forgot what they were called exactly, the term for them, were they like lords or something? that Mm -hmm. give, like, plus one, plus ones. Yeah, there are tribal cards that are like, hey, give all of your, this tribe, plus one, plus ones, which really makes uh, you build your deck around focusing on that one. But that effect is actually, like, pretty good, because oftentimes in tribal decks that have those cards, they either are very cheap or come with, like, another very strong tribal ability attached onto them, which makes so that you can't play... These, These cards don't work with everything, but they... Are stronger. Their like their effects are like above the rest overall in the same, in regards to the same effects.
3: Right. And one of the lords are talking about right now in Magic and Standard. They just printed one that's just two mana. Give all vampires plus one, plus one, and it is incredibly highly played because oh, this deck is all vampires. This card's like actually nuts. So like, you know, a two mana five five is insane.
2: I think in terms of card power and the design of it. Uh, I don't think the restriction is necessarily a hindrance to card design. And if anything, I think it helps card design by opening more space. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I know we, there's like some bad taste in our mouths about something like Magus that never really took off because it was so restricted. But if you yes. look at more recent ones, such as, say, Silverthorns, that d- really did take off and are doing pretty well at the moment, uh, even though they're pretty restricted in their names... Uh, those cards were just, overall, all the cards they got were quality. So even if you couldn't really mesh it very well with all the old support, it still holds its own. And a few cards from Silverthorn also kind of make their ways into other decks, too.
0: I mean, well, because the, the ones that make their way into other decks are the generic ones, like Rising Dragon, who just gets 10k if you call two things this turn. Pretty damn solid card that doesn't care if you got a Silverthorn Vanguard or not. Um, in Premium's case, I kind of just made it an engine, which uh, kind of reminded me of Yu-Gi-Oh, where you would take this chunk that makes the deck go and stick it in with everything else. Like, I'm still using Flying Periton and the Chimera that lets you Mm -hmm. countercharge and Dancing Knife Dancer, but I'm still using, like, Dorian and, uh, like, Zelma and all all the other Silverthorn cards that make a pretty cohesive offense on their own, and just everything else is used for advantage. Uh
2: I'd actually like to. Oh, sorry. Are you, I'm done. you? Go um, ahead. No. Oh, I'm done. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Uh, I'd actually like to add on to that because that's actually another reason why I do think that this that having uh, subclans is good actual card design, because with restrictions and stuff like that makes so. Like I said, it's a deck building restriction. Mm-hmm. So what does that make you have to do? It makes you have to be more creative with your deck design to gain similar effects or a similar performance with more restricted cards. For example, uh, what you said right now—combining an engine into another deck—is uh, a really good example of that. And I think a card game that really show shows that this this idea of creatively meshing cards that don't really wo- that aren't supposed to be working together to create something amazing through creativity would be Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh is a deck pretty much de- at this point designed around archetypes, like. You can't just play a non-archetypal deck and expect to succeed. But for example, something such as Pendulum Magician. Pendulum Magician is this deck that is this archetype that's been repeatedly hit with the ban list over and over again. Uh, m- its major cards were pretty much like all gutted for the most part, but the deck still works. The reason why, one of the reasons why it still works, even after many people thought it was dead, is because they keep using. Meshing different engines together that, although they, aren't, they don't have magicians in their name, so they have, don't have as much synergy with the rest of the cards, they do something else for it that helps it succeed. And I guess another example also, but this is like more of like a, not necessarily for balance, but for fun reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most popular formats in Magic the Gathering is Commander. And Commander is the Highlander format, so you can only have one of each card. So that's a major restriction, but people love building Commander decks. Uh, because of the restriction, it just makes it uh, interesting. how can I accomplish this when there's so much less consistency? how can I accomplish this uh, when you know if I lose this one copy of the card is my deck completely over? I actually think this helps with uh, creative decks making
3: there oh. is a kind of a th- th- this is not so you said that it uh, breeds creativity I think this is a pretty interesting talking point is mm-hmm. that I do I, and I agree with you I just want to preface uh, preface that that I think restrictions. Uh, restriction does uh, necessitate some amount of creativity because you uh, in the sense that you have you know you're working you're work you have to kind of do so- do something under a restriction you wouldn't normally have um, but it is the question like does giving people less options or giving people a clear direction mean more or less creativity and I think this is kind of a question that like uh, a lot a lot of people ask not just related to card games but to a lot of different things I and told- I think and I think what also makes uh, these tribal decks or these archetypal decks nice is that it makes it really easy to deck build in the sense that it, it makes it easy to get started in deck building, I guess is maybe what I should say. Because you know what direction you want to go like right off the
0: bat, if that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. deck building uh, in Vanguard is, I think, more streamlined than it is in something like Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic, because everything... You already have your set ratio of triggers of 16, so that's mm-hmm. like almost almost a quarter, a little less of your deck, um, like that's decided for you right off the bat. It just comes down to, okay, four heals, what are the other 12? Then you have, like, all strategies are focused around whatever grade threes you're playing. So when you're making a deck, that's where you start. Now, if you have the sub-clan grade 3s, like, alright, I'm doing, you know, Luciere and Dorian as my grade 3s, then you see Silverthorn and you go, okay, what Silverthorns are there? And then you just look over. Type Silverthorn mm-hmm. into Google and then you go, okay, this looks like a 4 of, this looks like a 3 of. And then you can use that to continue, you know, deck building and then remove as necessary. Whereas if you look up the full clan, especially if you're doing this for premium, you're like... Wow, that is a lot of cards. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> I just kind of want to say, uh, with this set, I definitely understand the premium, but I feel like a lot of the sets were designed with like maybe ninety percent standard in mind, and then ten percent premium in the back. And when it comes to standard, at this moment, with the addition of subplans, I don't think it's necessarily a big problem, because uh, in the previous, before the subplans came out. Literally, you only built the deck one way anyway, and you always built it around your green three, so it's not exactly mm-hmm. a different thing. Yeah, My problem, I guess, if we end up getting more diversity, it could bump up the creativity, and I think this actually does kind of already boost up the deck creativity. One thing I was always thinking about when building Silverthorns is how many non-Silverthorns can I get away with and which ones are more most important to keep. Because you can't, well, you can't really, you can, okay, you can build a full Silverthorn deck, but you have to play some really suboptimal cards, uh, like the grade two that like goes into the soul gives you 15k shield or something like that, and the one through grade two that's like when you call it, you soul blast everything for 15k power.
0: That one's awesome. So, those
2: cards you'll, yeah, you typically won't play those. So, it, it, it has like okay, what can I put in these slots to most make use of my silver thorn cards while not hurting it in the end? And I think that's a creative thinking at the moment in Vanguard compared to. Uh, before the subclans even came out where it's pretty much like most decks only really had like one deck list and actually if you look at the silverthorn decks there's actually quite a lot of variation in the tech cards at the moment
0: oh sure but i think what it is is i'm i think i just have like the scar of brightride era subclannery, where a lot mm-hmm. of the subclan yeah. costs which we brought up at the beginning of the episode were all the costs needed the subclan versus yeah. in Vieira, it seems like all the subclan stuff is part of the effect and not part of the cost. So mm-hmm. in Break-Ride era, it was you got a Counter-Blast and Eradicator, you got Soul-Blast, uh, Liberator, that kind of thing, where that included your triggers, which means you had to go fucking hunting for the triggers again. And in this right. particular case, it seems like Boucherode is not doing that, which I am happy about, because it also means that you are... Able to implement the quote engine into deck building later down the line because now it's not like all right I gotta go find the Silverthorn Heal trigger where the fuck am I gonna find that? You know? <laughs> no, but nobody bring s- up. I, I but... wish
2: we had a Silverthorn heel standard.
0: Will you just <laughs> James. I think like... it's a really good
3: point that you bring up about um the how costs were in the old days where like mm-hmm. you'd encounter blast you know cards with that name or. Discard cards with that name, or something. I think that w- I think that is the thing we want to avoid. Yes. Because that makes it hard to. Uh, it makes exactly. it hard to tech at all.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like
3: even back during Limit Break era, uh, even in, in Eradicator's like so. This is like a like a, old Limit Break era. Eradicator's used to play Draconic Death Scythe because uh, you didn't really have another good option. It was just could kill anything you wanted, basically, and. But it just didn't have Eradicate in their name, so a lot, when it went into damage, a lot of it was just like, "Well, this is what I have."
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Bushiro is doing a great job with this overall so far, not making it like yeah. huge costs. Silver mm-hmm. Thorns there are like some conditions that require Silver Thorns to mm-hmm. meet, such as for mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. Lillian. But they they built the card, they designed the cards so that it's so easy to get the Silver Thorns into your soul so that it's, it's, uh, you usually don't feel the restriction that often. Cool.
0: A lot of the things that are tied to Silverthorn effects are free or just the main point of the effect in the first place. So, like, yeah. Irene is still, when you ride on top of her, is check top three, and then you can put any number of Silverthorns in there. So you're like, okay, uh, I see two, put two in, draw a card. And then if not, it's not like you had to waste a Counterblast on it. You're just like, okay, put the rest at the bottom. You know, yeah. That's so it. So I think mm-hmm. this is
2: a... I think this is a good example of card design versus how you design a card, because because Silverthorns function very well as a arc, as a subplan without really like getting in the, not having like the restriction isn't too bad and you have the ability to tech in cards that are not part of the subplan. Uh, shows that you can design this card design the card design or my bad, uh, I'm repeating myself the uh, subplan card design isn't necessarily bad for it, the fact that it's restrictive, but rather how Bushiro chooses to design the cards is way more important than, uh, than the fact that it requires uh, the same type of cards. If we just take uh, the idea of the whole cost, like some mm-hmm. counterblast, same name for the cost thing, that's just... Uh, like. It's a restriction, but that restriction doesn't have to be there for it to be a subclan. Mm-hmm. But Bushiro choose to put that restriction in. Now for subclans we have restrictions of you just need to have like a face up copy of it on the field. Or you mm-hmm. just need a uh, X number in the soul. Or you have to just like I don't know, maybe have one in your hand. I guess that's kinda of discard thing, but they're overall they're making them sub clans without having a as much of a like as much of a harsh restriction as, say, um, as say, uh, like, the previous
1: ones. Yeah, like break ride era. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I think this is... So, the fact that they're able to make a subclan that functions fine and functions well with a few tech cards. Uh, since I don't think any subclan at the moment, except for maybe Magus, has enough to build an entire deck.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, the fact that you can put in some tech cards in there and it'll still work fine just kind of shows that the problem with the old uh, cards is not the card design of being a subclan, but rather Road decisions on how to make subclans. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
3: I, 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 I can agree with that.
2: Yeah,
1: and I think, like, building off of that, the other big problem that we have with these archetype cards is that they're usually very poorly supported afterwards, right? Like, as the series moves on and we get new waves of support, like, certain key cards that used to be the focus of card design kind of fall off. Like, you just brought up Magus, well, now (laughs) we're into Tsukuyomi for OTT, and we had a couple of, like, pity Magus cards thrown into the set, but they weren't exactly deck-changing, right? So... You had to completely shift focus to for the new wave of OTT cards.
0: Or like yeah. um like in, in to try and build premium gear chronicle, please, I dare you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what what sort of cards that need a Chrono Jet Vanguard? Like what the fuck are you gonna do about that with like it just means you just have to play a G era deck with the new triggers. Like it it, it mm-hmm. very it's mm-hmm. very regressive for deck building. Um One exception to this that I can think of is the G-Zone, where uh, for a lot of clans you had uh, strides that just had the name of your intended grade 3, because they're like, ooh, the Mm stride is the future, this is what they could be. Um, So that is a way that you can get around, at least in premium, uh, that card design flaw with older stuff, where it's like, oh, I need a Vanguard with Harry in the name. Well, good, there's two strides with Harry in the name that do... Like incredible things for your battle phase. So, having cards like that uh, are. Sure, it kind of, you know, cuts off your ability to do it early game, but most of the effects that need Harry for Vanguard are GB1 anyway, so that's invalid. Uh, It's still something that allows you to keep the, at least the archetype support, uh, relevant years down the line. Like, I see a lot of people Mm -hmm. still run Cutie Paratrooper, which needs a Harry Vanguard. I decided not to because uh, she only works when called from soul. so at least if you draw into Paradin, you can just call it and get a free card anyway. I'm not going to lie. When you said Harry, I thought that was a name you just randomly chose out of a hat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, oh, ha- you, I see what you did there.
0: You know for a fact that when I use a random guy's name, it's Gary. It is always Gary. I have a mug right next to me <laughs> I, that i was been drinking out of for the, this episode and the episode re- we recorded before this. That has you the name, drinking? yeah, or just, it was a mug, it says Gary on it, and there's a bunch of, like, translations for the name Gary, which, I'll I'll put that up on Twitter and Instagram, because uh, I got it from my dead neighbor's uh, estate sale, who, guess what his name was, right? Uh, it was Jerry. <laughs> yes, of course, because Gary, Jerry, whatever. Anyway, so, um, no, I was talking about Harry, like. Yeah, right? yeah, I know. I okay. figured that out right after like after a second. I was just like, oh. wait. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what I'm saying is that I think uh, having strides with you know older archetypes in the name allow you to kind of circumvent that xenophobia problem a little bit.
2: Well, I kind of want to respond to that a bit. I, I do think the fact that uh, if they don't, uh, it's uh, if they don't get like future supports for the subclan, that is kind of a card design problem. Mm-hmm. But I feel mm-hmm. like. Like I said earlier, this is much more of a Road problem, because they can easily fix this. Just pick, like, two subclans and the general uh, clan, and just keep giving them support throughout time. It's just Road's tie to this anime yeah. is what makes it annoying, which yeah. it's not the fault of subclans, it's the fault of Road. Well, of
0: course. And Also, there, there's
2: nothing stopping
1: them from continuing to support the exactly. archetypes in the anime, but they, like, don't. <laughs>
2: It's like, even Yu-Gi-Oh! doesn't tie to the anime this much. If anything, the anime is built around the card game.
0: For right, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If anything.
0: Um, yeah. Just, I don't... It's, it's tough because... um, Like, when we were talking, we were like kicking around this idea before the recording, and... James brought up a point where he said, "I think xenophobia is fine because it helps create design space and deck variety mm-hmm. without creating a brand new clan."
1: Yeah, like because a lot of these archetypes will take the overall gimmick of the clan and do it in a very specific way.
2: Yeah, and if we don't like xenophobia, uh, mm-hmm. the ultimate form of xenophobia is a new clan, essentially. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Which thankfully they're not doing again. I think they've- I think they've kind of realized they reached, like, the, this critical amount where, like, they can't possibly balance these many clans. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they have t- – there's 24 of them, right? So. Yes. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. That of fact, exactly. a lot. Yeah.
2: Bushiro – I mean, sorry. Like, Konami generally just, like, they choose, like, pick, like, five clans and decide to give them support for a while, and then they switch to the next five. And occasionally <laughs> give legacy support that, like, only, like, one out of every 20 legacy support actually matters. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: And usually it'll be main characters from previous anime.
2: Oh, poor dark magician though. Uh, <laughs> Shh,
1: don't say that the Yu-Gi-Oh fans will come get us.
0: No, they no, can't, no.
2: They can't anyone, them. anyone who's a legit uh, Yu-Gi-Oh fan has to feel bad for Luster Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> <The> <laughs> oh my god! Was awful. I
0: I beat it with
2: like my five year old Noble Knight deck. It was pretty sad.
0: Gross. Nexus at Night, the Yu Gi Oh podcast. <sighs> I don't know. I just like, bothers me, but it doesn't bother me.
2: I think what bothers you is how Bushiroad handles it. Sure. Yeah. Well,
0: okay, because here's the thing there's 24 clans. What they could be doing is you have sets of three, you know, three clans per set get support, right? You could just be mm-hmm. doing, uh, you have 24 clans that goes into, you know, to three evenly. You have just over the course of eight sets. You have three in each mm-hmm. set, and then that that would just be like a good way to do round robin, but they're so wonky about it that it just you know, it, it comes out weird. And then Yeah. Especially if like if your stuff is xenophobic and it's not very good, like that's not just a shot in the foot, that's shots in both feet and one in the crotch. Like it's just not uh like then you you have to wait for even longer than you normally would have. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. And so, then there are cases with like the duplicate clans where you can make an argument that some of this is already kind of taking place with all of the duplicate clans, like the three different paladins or Kaguro and Narukami.
2: That's true. Why aren't Car- why aren't the paladins just subclans of each other, right?
0: Um, I'm not entirely sure. Well, Gold Paladin apparently they all focus on they all focus on calling and building a board. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in Gold Paladin's case. At least during that Like, f- gold are different now. Gold is well, different. No, now. no, but like back but in like, the day, gold's whole yeah. thing was that okay, uh, royal and shadow paladin get like sealed away by Link Joker, and gold paladin is the remnants of both that came together Wait, as one. But like, it's
2: it's so doesn't dumb. That, doesn't that doesn't literally mean there's a subclan y- of the royal yes,
0: and shadow paladin? Exactly yes, that's exactly what I'm getting at. <laughs> but Just, also, yeah. like
1: shadows and royals are very similar, aside from the retire gimmick. And comes... they're both Force Clans, too. Yeah. It just At comes least, down like, to... Modern Gold Paladin has the different gift type to kind of
2: separate it. I'd say their playstyles pretty different, too. Um, mm.
0: well, it just comes That's down to what, what you're doing with those cards. In Royals' cases, it's just, I'm making these big. And in Shadow's cases, yeah. it's, I'm eating these to make one thing big. That's it. And Gold
2: Paladin is just trying to cheat in the game. Yeah?
0: Yeah.
1: But it's okay. Kirif got banned.
0: <laughs> yep, which, uh... How's Richard our... taking it? I haven't talked to him yet, but uh, I plan to, and I kind of can't wait. Um, I also <laughs> haven't talked to Gabe about OTT yet, because he played that. Also, he plays Neonectar though, so I get the feeling he's going to be torn. He's like, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he,
2: he loves Neonectar though, and he's like... Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm sure he'll be fine.
0: He'll be okay. Uh, the, the joke at the beginning of the episode was... Uh, Earlier, uh, we, we were talking about how in uh, France after the French Revolution, they're like, we're done with kings, and then Napoleon comes in, picks up the crown, and goes, thank you very much, and then fucks yeah. up Europe for the next few years.
1: And then they exiled him, and he immediately just walks back to the French outpost like, hey, I'm still emperor, you want to shoot me? Yeah. No? Alright, let's go invade the capital and I'm going to be emperor again.
0: Well, because, like, they, they didn't fire all of his, the people who were loyal to him. Yeah. So they are like, hey, buddy, you're back! He's like, I am, can I come? Yeah, yeah, please, by all <laughs> means, have at it.
1: And then he was just emperor again.
0: Easy. <laughs> ne- Nexus at Night, the history podcast. Um, let's see. So, not- uh, go ahead.
2: So, so going back to the topic, the main topic, uh, what Alice just said about, um, you know, how support is distributed. I think, mm-hmm. like, I've already made my stance pretty clear. I think sub-clan problems are really just Road problems. Uh, but I also want to address, because I totally agree with what Alice is saying here, uh, about how Road distributes supports for clans and how it affects sub-clans. One in particular is uh, something that we've seen early on already for something such as Nubatama, mm-hmm. where although they didn't have two sub-clans, in the early on, they essentially had two very different strategies, but both of them were taking away support from uh, them, from the card slots in the set. So you have these cards that work with one strategy, but not really the other, and cards that work with this other strategy, but not really with the other. And now, overall, your support is mediocre. And I feel like this is something Road would really need to address if they start adding in subclans. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if they just... Especially since, like, they're also competing with each other for, like, triple R slots and double yeah. R slots.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, is, like, we've already seen with the MAGA support that they're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> they gave you, like, two cards. The two cards yeah. had okay, but really mediocre effects and don't really advance the current win conditions. Just like,
2: think... ah, yeah,
1: we remember this exists. We slapped
2: its name onto these two cards... I think what they should maybe do that might help with this whole problem of subplans getting mm-hmm. sub-clans, uh, dividing the support between strategies is maybe bring back the the, the clan boosters maybe.
0: Um, I'm not really sure. How I mean, I feel we technically that.
2: have
1: that in the form of Bermuda sets, but <laughs> okay, sure, but that's Bermuda, Let's and that
0: see. works so well. <laughs> I, still, I still don't get why why they don't just put Bermuda with the, everything else. Like there, there's no reason not to.
1: Money, money.
0: At this point, it just feels like tradition, where they were just like uh... tradition of getting money. Yeah,
2: <laughs> isn't that what all traditions
0: tradition. are for? Yeah, exactly. Um, big- the other thing—the other thing you, I don't think you brought this up. You said biggest issue is spaces in each set support each subclan archetype Mm-hmm. slash archetype.
2: Yeah. So,
0: yeah but that that was all of the things you you said because like we brought we talked about mm-hmm. tribal support we talked about um, the stronger effects with the downside of being in a in a sub clan um, so a little thought experiment here uh, for some clans they never really got the sub clan treatment like great nature never really got it until honorary professor and that was so late and was kind of an afterthought. Nubatama mm-hmm. had, like, sure, a stealth dragon, but that wasn't very cohesive either. Stuff like that. Uh, do you think that them not getting those things helped them in terms of just being better off when it came to less good support? I know that sounds wordy, but what I mean is that these clans, whenever they got, like, medium to medium plus support, it was easier to implement with every their entire library of stuff. Uh, so I think they had an easier time stabilizing than with something mm-hmm. like Pale Moon or, uh, you know, Gold Paladin or whatever, where mm-hmm. all of their good stuff was, you know, sub-clan related, and then when they got more generic stuff that wasn't, it just kind of, like, w- knee-capped them for a while.
3: Yeah, I think it was a lot, uh, that was, <laughs> I think you're pretty close to, because it was clans that, like, really came out during the Limit Break era, or
0: mm-hmm. during the
3: Break Right era, where they started introducing sub in a really big way. Yeah, that kind of like, like Gold Paladin is a great example. of, those, like all liberators all the time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you get something that's like when they're like, okay, here's a new Gold Paladin archetype, you're like, well, all the old cards are all the old cards are useless. Yeah.
0: like, yeah. Early G era is a good example of this with Gold Paladin because you're like, all right, I have my Legion liberator stuff, and I have mm-hmm. Gurgit, which is like whatever. So, you know, you're you're just kind of sitting there. Meanwhile. Right. Something like great nature, like great nature in early G era, was really good because you just go, all right, I take crayon tiger, I take all the other stuff I had that involves killing my things to draw cards, and all this new stuff is about killing things to draw cards, and then I use mana and you die. Like it, it, it just meshed together so much easier because there was no, like walls in place from before.
1: I guess one point we can bring up that's a little bit different from a pure archetype is when. It revolves around the specific grade three because you brought up honorary professor. A lot of that support came in the form of new grade threes and cards that supported those grade threes. So you still had room to use more generic cards with them.
0: Yeah,
2: I don't think that would really even count as a full blown archetype or
0: mm-hmm. some. Time. It definitely counts as an archetype. It don't doesn't really count like, as a subplan to me. Okay. A subplan yeah. is something that involves. Uh, triggers with. Okay, well, the old definition, I guess, is involving triggers yeah. with that name. So, if it's something that revolves around, like, your vanguard being X thing, then it's an archetype. If, if it revolves around, like, rear guards and, like, stuff like that, it's a subclan.
2: Yeah, I'm more used to the Yu Gi Oh definition of archetype. Which is. More prominent there. Anything with the name.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah. But. I think because Yu-Gi-Oh! Is weird. Yeah. Well, just because yu isn't split into clans to begin with. So Uh they yeah. have types like warriors and attributes
2: like Dark. Yeah. Which if you happen to be a dark warrior, you're in luck because all their support is like pretty good. Oh yeah. No
0: <laughs> d- dark stuff and you know Dark Armed Dragon. Shout out to Teledad format, which is where I came into Yu Gi Oh and then I left during in Zektors. I picked the best time to come in. Ugh <laughs> oh, man. Terrible. Actors, dude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. One turn. Nothing like board breaking. Um, so, yeah, I, I know this is a little bit of like like a like a you know maelstrom of stuff to talk about, but I think it's, it, it's something that people should consider when it comes to looking at card design and looking at how mm-hmm. they build their decks. And, uh, how they complain to Bushira, because we do that all the time. That's literally what this podcast is for. Yeah, Max my...
1: At night, the complaining podcast. Well, yeah. That,
0: literally. Literally. Yeah, that's literally, literally... That's not even a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I...
3: In my opinion... And this is my opinion, I know my opinion differs a lot from, like, the norm on this, because yeah, I know, yeah. like, a lot of people Especially in Magic, do like tribal stuff. I actually really dislike tribal stuff in Magic. Um... Mostly for the reason that I think it's. I don't know, there's something about me that finds it kind of boring. Because, like, tribal decks are necessarily full of creatures. And I don't really like casting creatures. Mm, I see. So I just, like, automatically don't like tribal it's stuff. But what I really hate about tribal stuff is how it affects uh, limited formats of magic, like draft. I just think it makes really boring draft formats. Okay. So that's one problem I have with it. But it's like of course that's not part's not relevant to Vanguard, but uh I, I do like uh doing more silly things than just mat- matching cards in the same games. Same. Yu Gi Oh generally has that just because uh you're mixing architects together just because archetypes are are stupid.
0: Yeah, but you also have in Yu-Gi-Oh, you have, like, staples that no matter what deck you're playing, i.e. Ash Blossom or whatever. Yeah, but
3: archetypes in Yu-Gi-Oh aren't really, like, full decks. They're more, like, just engines.
0: Yeah, that's true.
3: And you just attach them in weird ways to create these bizarre contraptions that are dumb.
2: I think it depends on which deck, because some decks just straight-up don't work. Like ghost tricks, you have to play in a ghost tricks deck, or just do like one tech card. Yeah,
3: yeah, but if you you look at something like zodiac, right? You're like, all right, oh, put yeah. these four cards in my deck, and these yeah. few cards in my these extra cards. deck, and bam, here's my plus six.
2: <laughs> that's a much larger problem with more modern yu Like b- before, yeah. like early, like maybe like um, a bit before the pendulum era, mm-hmm. that's where like archetypes were at their strongest. And speaking yeah. of archetypes at their strongest, for subplans and vanguard, I really feel like Bushiroad has to make a choice go all in on the sub-clans or just don't. Yeah. Because they kind of, like, you know, dip their feet in and then take their feet out. Mm -hmm. But if they just committed to it, just had, like, a few dedicated sub-clans for each clan, as well as some generic support you can splash in or make a generic deck, then I think it would work out fine.
3: Yeah, I think, don't do the thing you did with, like, G-era Murakumo where you have, like, five different archetypes while also, like, (laughs) not supporting the clan ever. That shit... (laughs) Pisses me off to no end. Where they're yeah. like, we're going to do this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this and just none of it's good.
0: Oh sweet zombie Jesus! Um, <laughs> so I don't really have like that much left to say about this. I just think it was uh, something that was fun to talk about, uh, guys. Anything else to bring up?
1: Not really. Kind of agree with James, and I'm kind. Given Bushiroad's history of supporting things, I'm kind of leaning on, please just make generic cards or cards that revolve around a specific grade 3, because that's easier to both support in the future and also to just kind of do away with. Uh,
2: for me, I'm a little worried about how they're going to approach this, especially since we're seeing Nagus isn't receiving much more support or at all, uh, mm-hmm. but I do have some hope. Because one thing that's great about a format reboot is you come mm-hmm. back in starting the format with a lot more experience, which is something Yu-Gi-Oh! should totally do, but they refuse to do it.
1: <laughs> but links were supposed to slow Shut the up. game
2: down. <laughs> they gave... I thought... We had all thought they learned their lesson about hard once per turns, but I guess not. Looking at you, Firewall Dragon.
0: I mean, they... they uh... On paper, it made sense, but it it just didn't matter. No, it didn't.
2: On paper, it just slowed down all the top decks slightly, but they completely gutted all the non-top decks.
0: That's what I'm saying, on paper. It slowed the game down.
2: It slowed the game down by, like, one turn.
0: It It slowed the game down mostly for the proletariat and not for the bourgeoisie, which is what they should have done. Because Vanguard is now communism. All right, that means that <laughs> I am officially out of material because I am talking about communism. Guys, uh, where can people find you out there on the internet?
3: You can find me at twi- uh, uh, at Wiggums Two Gs Two Zs Eat the Rich.
0: <laughs> you can find
1: me at Plasma Eclipse. We and I will be seizing the means of production.
2: <laughs>
0: James. You can find
2: me by talking to these guys. I guess. <laughs>
0: I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh you can you can find me personally at Atlas Novak uh on Twitter or Instagram. Uh Eat the Rich is a criminally underrated Aerosmith song because of course I'm gonna turn it on its head. You can also uh find this podcast at Nexus at night on Twitter or Instagram and uh, if you are in the LA area this Saturday, August thirty first, twenty nineteen, I will be on the Pussy Riot show at the Dow Comedy Studio at eight pm, doing fifteen minutes of material. Come through, I'd be I'd be happy to see whoever wants to. Uh, and until next time, I was Atlas. I'm Matt.
1: I'm Rootbeer. I'm
0: James. And have a good night, everybody.